you know, when I was 20 years old, I would have assumed like, well, I either I write a novel or I go get a day job. Like I would, I never would have imagined I could have created a blogging platform that I I could monetize like I have. Cause it's baller, 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 baller. Ian, so I'm looking for ways to improve the audio quality of the show. What do you think about Auto Tune? I think you might be on to something. Welcome to the Tropical NBA podcast. <laughs> Boss man, looking good. You got a nice pair of shorts on there. Yeah, getting kitted up here in uh, Saigon. It's real easy to get nice clothes, very expensive. Actually, I got a couple uh, calls here right after we uh, record the podcast, so I want to make sure I look good on, 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 the, on the calls. I always get nervous when the video Skype comes through. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> All right, today we are talking about passion in business. It's like this kind of thing in the blogosphere, right? Can we chase butterflies? Is that good enough? Is the money going to follow? Mark Manson called in two weeks ago to talk about the amazing things he's doing. He's got a talk called Passion is Practical. He talks about walking away from big money, going over to little money, and ending up with bigger money. So we got to figure out how this stuff goes down and how we can apply it in what we're doing. One of the things that really stuck in my head since you gave the passion speech at at Berlin. I think I was surprised at how I how compelling I found it because I tend to be this guy who is really worried about people who say follow your passion, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of this sort of puffery online, the the gladhander success blogger type crowd, and then you come along and lay out a really compelling case. Um, and the and what, how you started that was you told a story mm-hmm. of uh, a childhood friend. So would you mind telling the story of the guitar player? Yeah, sure. The story I actually started my talk with was that when I was a teenager, I was, I had this idea that I wanted to be this like big badass rock guitar player, and um, and I got pretty good. I spent a lot of time practicing. You know, all through high school, all my free time was spent practicing and jamming and everything. And uh, I actually went to music school. And music school, I was, it was kind of the first time in my life that I was really drilled and challenged really hard in terms of music and like my musical capabilities and I you know I was really pushed way outside of my comfort zone and it just kind of it demoralized me and I got very burnt out I didn't practice and I I just got so sick of my guitar and and having to play all the time and there was um there was a kid in my in my program he was the best guy he was basically the best guy in the program I had dinner with him one night or something and I was just kind of complaining to him about everything. I'm like, I'm so sick of my guitar. I don't want to play anymore. (laughs) I'm sick of all this music. Like my teacher is such an asshole. And he just kind of sat there looking at me and I was like, so what's your practice regimen? Like, like how do you, how do you work up the motivation to keep practicing every day? And he just kind of looked at me like, well, I I don't know. I, I just kind of do it. And I said, well, what, what's your work ethic like? Like how'd you develop uh, you know, like how do you how do you organize the things that you practice and you work on? He's like, well, I just, you know, my teacher gives me some things and then I do it. And, and all of his answers were basically just kind of like, I don't know, I just do it. And um, and that was the moment I realized that I I probably shouldn't be a guitarist, uh, at least on a professional level. Let me interrupt this for a hot second because a lot of people have found ourselves in our businesses in your position. Right. Um, we're six months into it, and Seth Godin says you got to power through the dip. You got to get through that part where you don't feel like practicing, and you just got to practice anyway. So, uh, so what do you think about that? I mean, how do you jibe these two separate perspectives? 
I mean, that's kind of actually where the passion comes from because the only way you can stay motivated through that dip is if you if you actually believe in what you're doing. You know, there needs to be some sort of deeper meaning behind what you're doing other than I want to make a bunch of quick bucks. Um, because <laughs> if you if your only motivation is I want to make a bunch of quick bucks, then when you hit the heart, the speed bumps, um, you're going to lose motivation and you, you, you're going to have you're going to struggle with your work ethic a lot. So for me, that's exactly where it comes in. So you laid out a story of the two separate businesses. Um, you sort of took this lesson. I, I'm assuming you weren't thinking of this at the time, but you sort of grafted this lesson of the guitar uh, passion onto uh, a, a business project that you ended up abandoning. Could you sort of lay that out for us? Early on, when I was still building up my own businesses, I, I did. Um, I used to do a bit of freelance work, and um, I landed a great gig doing handling the market, the marketing for. Uh, an online car parts store and um i mean it was really kind of like the dream situation i mean these these guys they had a great unique product um that nobody else on the market had there was high demand for it they were selling tons of it on ebay i mean the guy was already making six figures on ebay and he didn't even have his own website <laughs> and so it was just it was walking into a gold mine for me to come in and say well hey i'll set up your website i'll set up your marketing I'll, shopping cart everything um you know, and, and start cutting me in on the profits. And it was great, actually. Within the first three months, I, I think I made like three times as much money with that as I did from my own businesses. Um, but the problem was, is uh, I don't know anything about cars. I don't care about cars. I don't know anything about car parts. The guys who owned the business were older, like 50-something, 60-year-old guys and so I was having to like argue with them. I kept wanting to implement different marketing ideas and I'd have to argue with them, you know, because they were stuck back in like 1975. And it was just a <laughs> really, really unenjoyable experience. And so I really, uh, so I had my own business that, you know, was making a little bit of money, but I wasn't killing it or anything. Uh, and then I had these guys that I was, uh, you know, if I stuck with them, I would have been making six figures easily. Um, but it was just a total drag. And uh, I remember I got about three or four months into it. And that juxtaposition between those two things. It's, I mean, it's literally, it's like, okay, would you rather do something you really enjoy and make a little bit of money or do something that you absolutely loathe and make four times as much money? And like <laughs> having both of those options in front of me, it, it was just, it was such a no brainer for me. So yeah, I dropped them. I guess the interesting thing about your story is, is that your business blew up because you focused on what you were passionate about? Yes. But it, it, I guess the question is: is is it, can these be expected results? It's part of it is you have to have that that fundamental uh, sort of integrity at the beginning where you were like, look, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Right. I'd rather I'd rather suffer the fate of being a quarter uh, as wealthy, but doing something I care about. People have such a hard time making that move. It, intuitively, it makes sense to me. Why do people have such a hard time with this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of fear involved. And I, I have to admit, it was it terrified me when I did it. Like, you know, to suddenly, you know, I remember looking at my, my accounts and it was like December's income was like 15 grand and January's income was like three grand. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And that's terrifying. That's like, because you don't know if you're ever going to get back there. Um, you don't know if... That like that was your one shot and you lost it. 
Um, right. And, and it wasn't like you were leaving to go be an investment banker. You were leaving to go be a personal development blogger. Not exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, what, in your mind, were you just like, look, like I'm going to be, you know, uh, just pumping out uh, these articles that I really love every day and, and come what may be? Or did you think, you know what, I can really turn this into something? Uh, by that point, I mean, I had been doing the personal development and dating stuff for three and a half years by that point. And so I actually had a – that was kind of the other thing with it too is that I made enough money. I was living in Thailand at the time, which as you know helps. Um, and it, it's – I had made enough money from that, those like four months with the car guys um, that I was like, okay, I've got enough money in the bank I could, I, that I could last in Asia for probably – year and a half, two years. I'm already making some money in, in the personal development world. I know, like, I've got some ideas. I know I can do some some cool things that other people aren't doing. Doing the car part thing is kind of what gave me the ability to um, to make that jump. It gave me that financial safety net. Right. In some, in some ways, it's like this ultimate wealth to be able to focus on your, your passion like that. I mean, right. it's a... Uh, it's, it's like the ultimate luxury. So what I'm seeing a lot in our community is that, um, yeah, you might have sacrificed the income that could have bought you a Toyota 4Runner, but why would you ever choose a Toyota 4Runner when you could have two years of time to build an asset that you, that you love right. or that you feel like the world needs to see? Exactly, exactly. And, and actually I saw, um, I don't know if you meant to say this, I, I, don't, I wish I could remember the blogger who said this, but it's, it's a really cool phrase. Somebody wrote that meaning is the new luxury for our generation. Um, <laughs> so it's like, you know, a generation ago, it used to be a yacht and a mansion and all this stuff. Like our generation, it's meaning. It's having something that we care about. What do you say to the people that are having trouble finding things that they're passionate about? You know, like there's this whole group of people that they love the idea of living uh, the entrepreneurial lifestyle, the rock star lifestyle, yet it's just nothing really seems good enough for them. Mm -hmm. Um, do you just, I mean, do you have any kind of advice for them or is it just buck up and work for an auto parts e-commerce store until you figure <laughs> something out? The first thing, or, I here's another thing. What if you're, what you're excited about just doesn't match up with money? Well, in um, a lot of cases it does like that's, well, that's where the whole entrepreneurial part comes in. Right. So like, you know, let's say I, had, I, when I was 20 years old, I knew I was passionate about writing. You know, when I was 20 years old, I would have assumed like, well, I either I write a novel or I go get a day job. Like I would I never would have imagined I could have created a blogging platform that I, I could monetize like I have. So that's kind of where a lot of the creativity comes in. Um, but but the first thing the first thing I want to say is that a lot of people like when I talk about this stuff and and like you mentioned at the beginning of, uh, of the interview, you know, there's a lot of fluffy stuff out there like like. You know, do do your passion, and people will come, and you know, money will fall out of the sky, and everything will be happy. Um, like I understand that there, like people have to compromise. Like it takes time. You like this is an evolution that you work towards over the course of years. Like I did a lot of crap jobs and sold a bunch of stuff I didn't care about uh, to get to the point where I am. Um, so I, I think the idea of like an overnight passion success is is kind of overblown, but. Um, uh, in terms of like people who don't know what they care about or don't know what they're passionate about, the best answer I've heard to that question, actually, an interview I think you posted recently. Um, it's look at what look at what you did when you were a kid. Um, look what you did naturally when you were a kid or a teenager without being like forced to do it or without trying to prove something to somebody. 
and it's funny because you know when I was 12 13 years old I I used I'd like taught myself HTML and uh, I used to like write short stories for my friends and stuff like that so sometimes I think there's there's some there's some complexity in here because you're a natural leader and I think that there there is an element to entrepreneurship where you need to lead people like you need to lead them to a purchase you need to lead them through some information um, you need to lead a team um, and so sometimes that might be the rub I don't know. There, there's so many places you can get snagged up with this stuff if you're not willing to, to put yourself out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, everything else that comes along with this, you know, the willingness to take risks, um, you know, the willingness to fail, try new things out. I mean, that all that stuff applies. I mean, this is the reason this is such a hard question is because everybody's so unique. Um, you know, this is not a simple like, you know, these four copywriting tips will make you eight gazillion dollars like this is like everybody's wired differently everybody cares about something different everybody is like passionate and excited about doing different things and so figuring out how that works into a business that can actually make money for them um i think there there is this attitude that develops you know i something i i think i resonate so deeply in your message is the idea that you would risk a lot of money in order to get two years back of time to build something that to me I would worry about the person who wouldn't want to do that. I would yeah. worry about their entrepreneurial prospects. So maybe that's an interesting litmus test. The fundamental idea here is people are trying to monetize their passions. I love golf, right? What happens is the guy that ends up, or the guy that loves golf, he ends up running a clubhouse, he ends up designing clubs, selling clubs, something like that, just trying to be affiliated with golf. and. <laughs> That's everything that takes him away from playing golf. So the way I see it, there's only a couple options. The strongest here, if you love golf, is to become a professional golf player. That way you get to play golf all the time. There's like three of those guys ever. Exactly. Everything else takes you away from playing golf. So why don't you design a business that allows you to play golf all the time? Right. So so here's the thing. You need to decide how the object of your passion rather than the, the processes which you're passionate about. So for me, for example, a process that I'm passionate about is writing and communicating. I could run a radio show about other topics. So, you know, I'm interested in a lot of stuff. We could do a podcast about, we could probably brainstorm 20 topics that me and you would both enjoy to do together. So that's the difference between the object and the process. So if you have an object that you're passionate about, like philosophy or men's health or golf, you need to figure out how well that plays with the enterprising spirit. So I like this idea of like the enterprising spirit is this modular thing. It's, you know, it's one thing to be a writer, but it's another thing to be an enterprising writer. An enterprising writer is one that seeks to find an audience, that seeks to provide value and then say, hey, do you want me to do that again? Could I please have $10? It's the difference between the the small business musician who wants people to come to the club to watch them rock out versus the person who doesn't care and puts it on Facebook and hopes her friends will come. And as Mark has demonstrated, there are so many ways to be a professional writer these days, which is very cool given the internet. Absolutely awesome. And I think that that's an interesting thing to look at those processes. You know, we talked about finding your five hours, Ian. What is it that you could wake up every day and do for five hours? Great news is, if you have a job, you probably can still dig up five hours. So I think is there something that you care about enough in your life that you could dig up five hours and participate in that every day? That's what it's going to take, right? All right, Ian, it's almost the end of the podcast, but before we go, we got to talk about some business stuff that you are excited about this week. A lot to be excited about, buddy. 
Uh, been reading. Do tell. Yeah. <laughs> been reading Patrick McKenzie's blog. Can't get enough of that guy. Calzumius.com. Mm-hmm. He's got a really great uh, video that he recorded at MicroConf last year. Uh, we are going to MicroConf Europe here in the next month. It's called marketing software for people who would rather be building it and it's just that it's uh he just walks through how he marketed some of his uh new products so i want to point you guys to an article by alex shy called the unbundling of craigslist and reddit i haven't read alex's blog previously but he's got this brilliant little mock-up and i just think it's an interesting way to think of business ideas basically what he does he says look what happened with craigslist it was this broad marketplace with an incredible critical mass and then all of these startups came out of the verticals the strong verticals that needed to be better served so he points to things like elance coming out of the jobs and airbnb coming out of the community listings and stubhub and all this kind of stuff so then what he says is like all right the same thing's happening with reddit he says red reddit is unbundling reddit is just becoming it's massive reddit the front page of the internet that's what all the kids are saying yeah i mean it, what, i don't know what this the page user it, like it's like almost like the numbers of galaxies i mean it's way up there and he's basically saying look reddit's starting to become unbundled too um he says you know look at things like quora uh, inbound.org, photocracy, hacker news, etc. Anyway, I think this is in line with the TMBA philosophy, which is this idea of look what's already working out there, refine it, focus on strong verticals, figure out how you can uniquely distinguish yourself and serve those verticals better. Last thing I want to talk about today, Dan, is Clarity. I think it's Clarity.fm or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. Anyways, uh, it's a way to connect with uh, people that are experts in industry. And so I went over to Clarity the other day because I had a couple questions about this new SaaS business that we're working on. Can't wait to talk about it. Two <laughs> weeks from now, we're going to be talking about how we're getting sued, making SAS, no SAS, money. SAS, SAS, SAS. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you were busy, so I had to go find some experts. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I signed up for a call and uh, I'm still waiting for that call. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. You can reach out out to uh, people that I didn't even think I could talk to. Yeah, go figure. Uh, Maybe we could have some of those people on the podcast someday, see how it works out. All right, we'd love to hear your thoughts about passion, any other resources, anybody who's got some cool ideas about this out in the blogosphere. Of course, we're always interested. This is tropicalmba.com slash passion. We'll see you guys next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. Again, we've got our complete audio archive available at tropicalmba.com. That's the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. Also, every episode has complete notes with links. If you're interested in something we talked about, check out the site. And as always, we'll see you next Thursday morning.